Hello, hello. How is everybody today? All right. I want to welcome those of you here live, those tuning in, and uh, in our Branchville campus. We love you guys. Man, we're praying for you this season, uh, praying for everybody. It's been a wild year, hasn't it? I wonder how many people are anxious about a lot of things. It's the end of 2020, and uh, maybe it's been great. Maybe no worries, uh, maybe not so much. I don't know about you, man. <laughs> Perhaps at this point, uh, you're, you are doing great. Uh, maybe I, I would sit down at coffee and you would say, Rick, I've never had a better year than 2020. If that is true, please sit down with coffee with me and, and tell me about it, would you? Maybe it's been a year of uncertainties. You're wondering what the next four years are going to look like. Uh, maybe you, you're anxious about everything from taxes to guns. Maybe you're wondering if you're, what your job is going to look like in 2020. And what about Christmas? Do you realize that Christmas is like less than a month away? I wonder if COVID's lightened up your budget a little bit. Have you gotten all the presents that you want to buy? Guys, let's pray and kind of, kind of dive into this. Father, we love and worship and praise you. What a great God. You know what's really awesome, God? What's really amazing, God, is that you are still in control. You really are. You're not afraid. You're not hunkering down, God. You're not worried about what you're going to do, God. You're just in control. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. Doesn't matter who's in the Kremlin. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters, Father, because you're above it all. You're powerful. And Lord, might we focus on you today? All that you can do, all that you are. Father, it's not what I have to say, but what you have to say. We worship you in Christ's precious name. Amen. We're in the second and final week of our series, Anxious for Nothing. It's called Anxious for Nothing, but I feel like if I really did sit down on that coffee shop with you, you could tell me maybe 20 things that you're anxious about. 20 uncertainties that are maybe kind of crippling you just a little bit. You've got decisions to make, but the decisions aren't coming easy. Our, our exact title today is when you just can't decide. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, last week, Chris read from Philippians chapter 4, and I want to remind you that it was written by the Apostle Paul, and Paul was in prison when he wrote that. He had, he had been arrested uh, under strong persecution of the Romans and under the Jewish leaders. See, to the Romans... Worshiping anybody but Caesar was considered treason, and to the Jews, worshiping Jesus was considered blasphemy. It was a really tough time to be a Christian, but despite all of that, despite all that was going on, Paul is able to write these words under incredible stress and in real danger. He says, Philippians 4.4, always be joyful or full of joy in the Lord. And he says, I say it again, in case you missed it, rejoice. Anybody out there rejoicing? Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. A better translation is remember that the Lord is very near. That's some pretty upbeat advice for a guy that's in jail. A guy that's waiting to die. You can almost sense him laughing. You can see the smile on his face as he reads these words. Be happy. Hey, God's near. Choose joy. Guys, that's a wild thought, isn't it? You and I often have and almost always have that, that power to choose worry, to choose to be anxious, or to choose to be joyous and happy. 
to trust that God really does care about our daily lives, to know that he's listening to our prayers, to know that it will be okay. Or we can worry about our circumstances that are beyond our control. Uh, We can believe that nobody cares. See, Paul was either crazy or he understood something that often seems to be beyond our grasp. I think Paul got it. He went on to pen these words to that church in Philippi. Don't worry about anything. Better Again, don't be anxious. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. What has God done for you? I wonder if there were other times in your life when you were just sure you weren't going to make it. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I have laid in bed and said, God, what am I going to do? There have been times in my life where I've said, God, if you deliver me from this one, anybody ever done that? If you get me through this one, I will never doubt you again, ever. I've probably said that 10 times in my life. Thank God for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Paul said, don't be anxious about anything, but how could he not be anxious? See, Paul had made a decision to follow Christ, no matter what cost him. He had chosen to have faith when the entire world was literally falling apart around him. He wasn't unrealistic at all. He was just grounded in a mission he had chosen years before. His focus was way beyond his circumstances. His focus was on heaven. I I honestly believe that that, that sometimes, you know, Lord, just lift me above my circumstances. We focus on jobs. We focus on illness. We focus on everything. And I think God is so far above that and says, man, if you'll just set your sight on heaven, if you'll just see the world the way I see it. Your vision, my vision is just way too close up where, where if I could get out there where God is and just focus and say, God, you, you, you're under, it's all under your control. Lord, even to leave this earth is to be present with you. See, Paul had seen God's deliverance time and time again. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. He had even been stoned. But Paul watched God heal him, keep him alive, provide food and lodging for him. And he had thrived during the worst of times. He was able to write 13 books of the New Testament. He planted several churches around that known world. Paul had made a costly decision that landed him in jail and and yet brought him a peace that was beyond understanding and forever placed him in God's hall of fame. I wonder today if there are decisions that you have to make in your life. Decisions in, in order to move forward. Decisions that might bring relief But the inability to make those decisions seems to be crippling you. See, indecision can bring great anxiety. Our goal today is to help you find the path to making right decisions, big or small, when you just can't decide. Perhaps you're pondering many things with the approach of 2020. Do I need a a job change? How am I going to make enough money to provide for my family? What am I going to do if the store closes? How much longer am I to endure verbal or even physical abuse before I flee the present relationship or or my present job? How about worries like, do I want to marry that person I'm dating right now? Do I really love them? Are they the one? Or do I need a new car? 
Or do I keep nursing the old one along? So many decisions that are in our day-to-day lives and in our faces. And making decisions can be very difficult and overwhelming at certain times in our lives, and it can. It can bring on great anxiety. I want to give us a couple of reasons, a couple of ways to identify why Decision-making is so hard, and maybe to outline, outline a couple of solutions to help make it easier in the, in the coming months and even for the rest of your life. Well, why is decision-making, why is it so hard? Well, we have too many choices. It is a proven fact that, that the more choices they have, the more confusion we have. There's this restaurant in, in Simi Valley called The Junkyard, and the menu has everything from Chinese to pizza. It looks like a phone book. I never know what to eat. Don't worry, I figure it out. Let me give you another example. Often my wife will say, and I will say, hey, let's make popcorn and let's watch a movie. Awesome, but what movie and where do we watch it? We have Hulu, we have Netflix, we have Amazon, we have Disney. So we scroll through every one of those for about 30 minutes. Why? We don't want to watch the wrong movie. Look, folks, we're so anxious about this that we have a rule in my house that if we watch a movie 15 minutes into it, anybody can call it. This movie stinks, and we have to turn it off. That's a true story. A big part of the issue is we don't know what genre to watch. Do we watch comedy or adventure? Perhaps comedy adventure. What about sci-fi? And occasionally we will pick a scary movie, but what genre of scary? We don't want satanic or demonic. I like monster movies and I like ghost stories, but are ghosts considered demonic? I mean, we go through all this. After about 45 minutes of searching, I usually put on a a rerun of American Pickers (laughs) and Linda heads into the kitchen to throw out the popcorn. Well, that's not true. I still eat the popcorn. But we're so concerned about making the right choice, the right movie, that we wind up not watching a movie. When you have too many choices, you live in fear of making the wrong choice. Well, what if you pick the wrong thing, the wrong career, the wrong school, the wrong home? How how do you find clarity and guidance through all of that? How how about a a second reason that that decision-making is so hard? We're afraid of making a costly mistake. Decisions that go far beyond the movie. What if I pick the wrong spouse? I feel really led to, see, to say this this morning. I thought about this driving over here. I want to I get away from this crazy, ridiculous lie from devil about that soulmate. I've had people marry somebody and then say, well, I married that person, but that, then I found my soulmate. Let me tell you something, you pick a spouse and then God spends the rest of your marriage making that person your soulmate. You don't have to worry, did I miss out? But we are always worried, did I miss out? What if I'm out of God's will? What if I feel called to the mission field or full-time ministry, but I'm not sure? What if I moved and I shouldn't have? We can't make decisions because the decision we make might be the wrong one, and that could be costly. I remember I was counseling this 25-year-old single woman when I was working at this great church in California. She had been dating the same guy for five years, and he loved her dearly. He's a solid guy, good Christian guy, hardworking guy. He treated her well, and here's the deal. She loved him back. He asked her to marry him several times, and she told me, 
I want to marry him, but I'm lost in indecision. She was 25, but when she was 20, her parents had gotten a divorce and it devastated her. I would go so far as to say it froze her in time. She feared that getting married might be the wrong decision because it eventually might not work out. And here's what happened, folks. After a while, he just moved on because of her inability to commit. See, indecision became her decision. We have to realize that making a decision, even the wrong decision, doesn't mean God can't work it out. That he can't turn it around and use it for our good. Sometimes, folks, you just need to go ahead and do something. We need to remember that we serve a loving father. He never throws his hands up and says, what were you thinking? I'm done. I can't fix that. Listen, God knew what he was getting into when he got into your life. He's not surprised by you. In fact, God can take even the worst mistake, your dumbest decision, and spin them around to teach you and to ultimately bless you. Folks, the truth is, in all honesty, the Scripture, the Bible, may not be 100% clear on every issue. So I couldn't point to a passage in the Bible that told this woman to marry that man, although I think that's what she should have done. I, I can't point to a verse that tells you exactly what job to take or where to live or, or whether or not you're called to a certain mission field or a certain school. So how do we make decisions? So many choices. How do we make a decision when we're so afraid of a, a huge costly mistake? How do you uncomplicate what seems so complicated? Well, I think there is a way. Well, let's turn to God's word and see if we can't find a formula, an example that can help us through times of indecision. Turn with me or look at the board or whatever you want to do. I'm going to be in Acts chapter 15. Now, Acts is the story of how the church got started. It, 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 it takes place right after Christ's death, burial, resurrection, ascension in heaven. We pick up the story of the church in Acts. It's how the disciples went on to spread the good news of salvation to, to anyone who would call on Jesus. And a key player in all that was the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote Philippians. He was Jewish, but God had called him to do something that had never before been done in Jewish history. He was called to reach out to Gentiles, non-Jewish people, most of us. Well, that was unheard of. But see, Gentiles were turning to Jesus by the thousands, and God was filling with the Holy Spirit, so obviously God's hand was on all of it. But this caused some real confusion and concern on the part of the Jewish believers and the pillars of the early church. See, in the past, Gentiles weren't, weren't, were only allowed in maybe certain parts of the temple, not very deep in, certainly not holy places. And they were holding this gift of salvation. It was so precious and so new. I mean, should I share Jesus with everybody? The Jewish believers weren't sure if they were supposed to share it with anybody but God's chosen people. Well, some of the early Jewish believers were saying, no way, no Gentiles allowed. Others were saying, hey, if God's for them, then how can we be against them? So the early church had some hard decisions to make, in or out, rules or no rules. Gentiles too, Jews only. It was very confusing and complicated decision. So how did they uncomplicate it? 
they ran their decision through two very practical factors. And I would like to suggest to you that these factors might help you sort out some of your own questions. The number one thing they ran it through was biblical principles. They asked, will this decision we make line up with God's word? Maybe not complete clarity. Again, I couldn't point and say, hey, God wants you to marry this guy. I can't point you and say God wants you to the mission field, but there are a lot of scriptures that talk about going into all the world. Well, let's look, let's look at what happened with these guys. Acts chapter 15, verse 13. When they had finished, James stood up. Now, the decision was Gentiles in or out. When they had finished, James stood up and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, after what I will return and restore the fallen house of David, I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. You got to understand that some of the major players at the beginning of the church were at this meeting. Peter, one of Christ's closest disciples, best friend, James, Jesus' half-brother, Mary was both of their mom. Paul, the guy who, who, who started all that church planning. These were guys who knew the word of God and knew Jesus personally. See, the Bible didn't condemn Gentiles to never hearing about or receiving salvation from God. In fact, there were prophetic verses, futuristic verses, verses that talked about them being included. And Peter said, and this conversion of the Gentiles is exactly what the prophets talked about or predicted. Whereas the scriptures weren't completely clear on when the Gentiles were to come and grafted into God's family, they were clear that it was supposed to happen. See, accepting Gentiles into the beginning of this new church movement wasn't unbiblical. They were running their question through the filter of the Bible, and the Bible gave them a green light. What about your decisions? Well, the Bible might not tell you exactly what to do. Would it support your decision one way or the other? I want to encourage you, if there seems to be no red lights, no caution signs, then why not proceed? Don't let indecision be your decision. Make a decision. If it's a mistake, allow the Lord to fix it. But if you're digging into God's word, certain decisions seem contrary to what's right, the decision would be not to press forward. Don't do it. Let me put it another way. If any decision goes directly against God's word or even its principles, then you probably need to avoid making that decision. Ask yourself, would, a decision, would this decision show a lack of integrity? Would it put me in a position where I have to lie or cheat? I've had jobs outside of the ministry where the way to make big money was to lead people to make decisions based on half-truths. The less the customer knew, the better or the more I'd make. Now, I, I could say I'll use that money to provide for my family, be more generous to the world around me, but there's a lack of integrity and, 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 and deceit for any reason goes against the principles of God. So I remained honest, and by God's blessing, I was always found myself being one of the top salespeople in our company. I remember a manager saying to me once, Rick, you'd be the best salesperson I ever met if you would just lie. And I said, you don't understand, man. The only reason I am a great salesperson is God's hand of blessing. 
If you have run a decision through God's word and don't see any red flags, then you should feel free to make those decisions. Sometimes you need to just go ahead and make a decision. I want to pause here for what I want to call a real-life applicable moment. God has this way of just giving me examples. As I was sitting in my coffee shop in court and writing this message, I got a call from a former student who is now a good friend of mine. He and his wife own a photography business, and most of their business comes from wedding shoots. But guess what COVID has done to big weddings? Shut them down. Now, they live in Northern California, and the cost of living is huge, and times are tough. They're considering moving out of the state and starting new, but are terrified of making the wrong decision. Here's what I told my buddy. I said, moving from California to someplace else, someplace else is not against God's word. You're not deciding whether or not to leave your wife. And it's not a decision that can't be reversed. If you moved and you don't like it, then move back. He's like 28, folks. Feel free to make mistakes. Many decisions, as long as they're not evil decisions and contrary to God's word, can't be reversed. Everybody needs the freedom to know that. Making a decision that is a mistake is not the end of the world. There's a, there, there's a God who will be with you wherever you are in life. And he can make your stupid decisions work out. I am living proof of that. Don't let the fear of adventure keep you from experiencing the joys of life. Let me say that again. Don't let the fear of adventure keep you from enjoying life. I remember working for this massive church, and then I felt like God was calling us to Poland, man. And I went home, and I told my wife, I think we're supposed to move to Poland. And she said, well, you're going without me, pal. I said, I'm not going. I prayed for two years. My wife came to me and said, I think we should move to Poland. We sold a house that we loved. We left a church that we loved. People said, you're nuts. We'd kill to be at that church. But I got to tell you, man, that was the craziest, most incredible adventure of my life. We left a school that the kids loved. We packed everything into 10 crates, and we moved to another country. And I got to tell you, because of that, we have done and experienced life in ways that people will never understand. Don't let the fear of making a decision be your decision. Sometimes you just got to go out on an adventure. And don't worry about every detail of every decision. God may not always care about every detail of every decision. Don't complicate it. When I was in youth ministry, I'd have so many kids say, God is calling me into the ministry, but I don't know whether to go to Milligan Christian College or Cincinnati Bible College or Johnson or Ozark. I don't want to make a mistake. And I would just look at them and say, folks, I don't think God cares what college you go to. Just go. Here's the deal. If you go to Milligan, there's going to be some weird, wild adventure. If you go here, there's going to be some weird, wild adventure. Man, don't, don't, oh, I don't think God cares about every little detail. If you're just, he, God, listen, God can use you here or down the street or across the country or in another country. If you're deciding what city to move to or what, or what new job to take a chance at and wondering where God is in all this, He's going to be at the job you choose. He's going to be in the city you go to. Maybe just make a decision and let the journey begin. Dig into the Bible. Drop to your knees and seek wisdom and answers from God. And ask God to give you wisdom in all you do. Do you know that God promises you wisdom? In James chapter 1, verse 5, if, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking Listen, if it's big enough to worry about, 
then it's big enough to pray about. Let's take a a look at a second factor in making the right decision. Don't just run it through Scripture, but seek godly counsel. Always seek godly counsel, especially when making bigger decisions. In Acts chapter 15, the church had a major decision to make. They reached their decision together. Look at Acts chapter 15. I'm just going to read a few verses real quick. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men. It seemed good to us having become of one mind to select them, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. It's a lot of good. It's a lot of collaboration. Did you catch the list of the godly counts of the apostles, the elders of the church, church advisors, the whole church, and through the power of prayer, the Holy Spirit? It's hard to go wrong when you seek the counsel of godly men and women in any decision. Man, surround yourself with godly men and women because it's easy to go wrong when you don't do that. I can honestly say that the times in my life where I haven't listened to godly counsel have been the roughest times in my life. I remember once we left California about a year and a half and, and every one of my godly counselors said, don't go there, don't go there. I won't say the city because they might be listening. Don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And I went, one, one of my wisest counselors even said, I spent 24 hours in that city and they were the worst 24 hours of my life. I lovingly refer to it as hell, but I won't tell you the name of the city. But I went, and I got to tell you, it, I went, that, that launched me into two years of that depression that I've spoken about so many times. See, Paul, Peter, James, and the entire church sought the counsel of each other. They prayed together. They looked for precedence in the Bible. And when they, do the majority of these godly men and women think it's a good idea to let them in? Yes, then let's do it. Here was their ultimate conclusion, Acts 15, verse 19 And so my judgment is that we should not uh, make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Wise counsel will almost certainly lead to wise decisions. Be careful. The wrong counsel can lead you into chaos and misery. Proverbs 14 says there's a path before each man that seems right, but it ends in death. The right counsel, counsel can lead you to joy. The wrong counsel can lead to misery. The thoughts of those who aren't motivated by Christian principles can lead us to places we don't want to go. If I want, to, if I want advice on making the right decision, I'm not going to seek it from a man or woman that doesn't have integrity. I don't want marital advice from an immoral man. I'm not seeking career advice from a person who is dishonest and greedy. My dear friends, don't let indecision be your decision. In times of uncertainty, pray and ask God for wisdom. Search the Bible for principles. When in doubt, seek the counsel of godly men and women. Our times are uncertain. Paul could rejoice even in a Roman prison because he had made some decisions that had given him great clarity in his life. See, Paul had decided that live or die, he was going to do all that he could to lead others to Christ. If he lived, it was for God and for others. Right before he died, in his last written letter, he wrote these words to Timothy. These are words that I hope to be able to say at the end of my life. Paul said in verse, 2 Timothy verse 4, As for me, my life is already poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. These were the last words he would pen. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. 
And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And that prize isn't just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Oh, I want to be able to say that. I fought the good fight, God. I, I finished the race. I remain faithful. I encourage all of us to turn to Christ in these times of craziness. And if you don't know him, if you don't know Jesus, and I want to encourage you where you are, out in, you know, wherever, here, there, just, just, to, just, to, just to call on his name right now, just to say, Jesus, the best I know how I love you, I worship you, I praise you. Or, God, I just know you. Call upon him to be your savior. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you do know him, then get closer than you've ever been. Just remain faithful and finish well. If you're in the word of God, if you're praying, if you're seeking godly counsel, it's going to be real hard to make the wrong decision. Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. What a great God. Oh, God, might we, might we keep the course. Might we finish the race well? Might we remain faithful? And Lord, take away the anxiety and the fear. There's no decision we can make that you can't fix, you can't bless, you can't use. I thank you for these precious people. We love you. We worship. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. God bless, folks.